Welcome to Chasing the Upside, conversations about living the FPL life. As Phillips from FPL Black Box fame, welcome to Chasing Upside. How are you? Very good. Fame. I like that. Uh, I've got a bit of admit, Ben, I'm, I'm looking on Zoom and your beard is, is fantastic. It's putting me to shame. Oh, well, you can stay. We can stay. I mean, <laughs> we, I suppose we don't have to chat about FPL. We can chat about beards if you like. It's a, it's a topic love that to. I love. Yeah, absolutely. Have, have you heard the band The Beards? The Beards? No, I've never heard of the band The Beards, no. I strongly recommend you, you check them okay. out. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um I'm, I'm going to check them out after this chat the beards they, o- they only sing songs about having beards okay i presume they have beards they do have very good beards yeah okay yeah, yeah. okay awesome right well i've never started one of these chats with talking <laughs> about beards so we'll just carry on but um we're here to talk about fpl our shared love of fpl um so as um as these chats always start with the same question your origin story where did it where does it all start uh for you in fpl yeah, well, I I um I've, I've told this story through a, a few times really. It's kind of quite weird, like look, looking back. I mean, I I was never really that into football um, growing up. My dad was really into it, big Brighton fan, hence my Brighton connection. Um, but I just never really kind of enjoyed watching it that much. And then when I was going off to university, I kind of thought to myself, I probably need to start actually getting into this because it seemed like such a good like gateway to making friends and and chatting about stuff. So I started watching watching a bit more football i got bought fifa um as well started like practicing at that because i was quite into like computer games and started playing fantasy football um as well i was in like a kind of work league i worked at curry's digital when i was 17 um and there's a, a few people there uh who, who kind of played and i just got so into it like just so competitive with it and i found fantasy football scout quite early on and um, when mark had kind of just set it up really and started kind of reading all the articles on that started giving me a bit of an edge against the people that I was playing against and started winning like the league quite comfortably um and then it all just took off from there really started writing a few little bits for the site got invited onto the scout cast a few years later um after I met Joe I met the scout Joe at a uh, a meetup uh, type thing he invited me on the scout cast and then it's just kind of all all gone from there you know FPL show stuff FPL pod doing black box with Mark um all just kind of stemmed from from that desire to be liked <laughs> at university which is a, a weird weird kind of origin story i think that's not weird at all um i do i do like the fact that it started in curries that's brilliant it did that's where it all began absolutely <laughs> where all the good stories start I curries suppose. digital in brentwood not no longer there anymore it's been uh <laughs> been, been closed down but yeah that's where it all began <laughs> so what what would you say brings you back year upon year upon year um obviously you're very engaged in the community and you do a hell of a lot of streaming um and so it's i presume that you know has to keep you engaged but mm. what what does keep what does keep you uh coming back for more i mean it's still the game still interests me a lot and i feel like it's changing a lot each year um when i first started out and i'm sure you you get this a lot on these but it, it was a very different game to what it is now it was a much smaller community there was, I mean, when I started doing the Scoutcast, it was like the only thing people could listen to. And, you know, it got like 5,000 views, which was amazing. At the t- To be doing a podcast that got 5,000 views was like incredible. And now you look at people like, and let's talk and, and Raptor and they're getting hundreds of thousands of, of views. Um, and you th- and I think about the community then, like I knew on the Scout boards, I knew everyone like by name. Like we, it was such a tight group of people. When you look at it now and there's, hundreds of thousands of people on Twitter talking, some I get on with, some I don't get on with. Um, and I think it's the kind of the evolution of, of how FPL has become more 
more kind of mainstream that's kind of interested me over the years because the game fundamentally is, is exactly the same as it ever used to be but everything around it all the different noise and voices floating around um are, are completely different so i enjoy being in the community i really enjoy doing the streams um with mark i think if if i didn't do that i'd be much less involved um in things um but yeah i i love to be a part of of, of something like this it's a it still is something i enjoy doing in, in my in my spare time so you mentioned the game has changed and obviously you're in a really good position to to talk about that. What's been the best things about the changes and the, and possibly the worst things about the changes? The pros and cons, I suppose. Mm. I think the, the, the best things are the, it, just seeing how recognised it is now on, like if you're watching Soccer Saturday, you know, Jeff Stelling mentions, oh, he's in my fantasy football team. All the owners of, you know, uh, I was going to say Harry Kez isn't in the league anymore, but when, when when those little kind of things started creeping in, um, to start, we thought, oh, actually, now people are, are, are recognizing how how kind of big the impact of fantasy football um, is, and I think the community growing um, is great because I think the the support a lot of people get from the community, you know, talking about mental health has been a big thing. Where, where there's kind of you know people who reach out to other people, and you know all the stuff the other day with the mental health health awareness and people reaching out. I've had people come to me and talk to me about some of their issues when I was struggling myself with mental health stuff I felt the community was really good in, in helping me through um, those times as well so it gives a lot a lot back and it feels like the more you put in um, the more you you get back from it as well so I think the kind of the, the way it's grown has, has been really really nice with that comes issues um, as well but genuinely speaking I think it is, it's grown in the right way does it um now we can go as deep as, as you want on this but um does it does the game affect you mentally now um or have you got better at coping mechanisms um because obviously there's a huge i think that potentially the time that the game affects you the most is when you when you start to get into it and then it really kind of hits you um and then it just becomes a, a lot bigger deal potentially for some people not everyone um and obviously the mental health is all tied into that so have has has have you seen the way you react to things uh, is that very different now than maybe what it was not really no i'm still just as bad with it as, okay. as i'm sure a lot of people are who who will be listening to this i mean you you know saturday comes you captain playing the early kickoff son was a great example in the week just gone he blanked you don't want it to ruin your weekend but <laughs> because you invest so much time and so yeah. much into it and I think it's, you know, as, as someone who who goes on a podcast every week and talks about things and, you know, I had it as a full-time job only, only a couple of years ago, you get judged on your rank and, you know, the advice you're giving is always linked to how many green arrows you've had and, and that kind of thing. And it is hard sometimes to separate that out. And I'm, I've been quite lucky because I've had some quite good finishes over the last, you know, five or six years. I feel like that gives me a bit of a um protection against against some things because i can say oh look i did well a couple of years ago. i'm rubbish now but you know i was great a couple of years ago i could get that back whereas i feel for people who are trying to make content and still engage and enjoy it and then have to kind of defend themselves because they haven't finished so highly um and i think that's a shame because i think content can go in two directions in terms of the education side of, of things learning more about the game strategy tips all that kind of stuff and that's all fine, but there's so much of that kind of out there. And and to me, listening and, and doing podcasts is much more about the entertainment factor. And you haven't got to have good ranks to to be entertaining. So I would 
stress to people not just to give up just because they haven't fin- haven't finished highly but i'm i'm really bad with it. it you know fpl still gets me down a lot i'm better than i was but yeah i still get pretty pretty frustrated i i genuinely think that's nice to hear though because um a lot of people um because rationally it shouldn't affect you it shouldn't you know it, this is we're in such a, especially with everything that's going on at the moment we're in such a privileged position mm. that a game could affect us and so yes rationally we we all know that but yet it still does um to a lesser or, or greater extent depending on how engaged you are um affect a a part of your life and so it's really nice i think for you to actually sort of say no it does affect me because mm. it would be very simple to say just to hide that um so I, yeah it's uh i think it's it becomes i mean fpl like it or not has become a part of a lot of people's identity and mm. it, it you know it forms a something that we we dedicate a lot of time to with a lot of friends in the space and twitter or x or scout or whatever media you use can be can be quite a judgmental place at times and for every one or two people who you know um say something negative that you know there could be a hundred people that that are positive and don't care about it but you remember the negative because that's what we're built to do as as humans so Mm. it's not always easy and it can be difficult at times when you go on twitter and you see everyone's posting good scores and you've done really badly and you've slipped a million places in in the rankings uh, and things like that and i think particularly if, if there's other parts of your life which aren't going so well like i was quite down a few years ago and i kind of relied on fpl as a bit of a crutch to kind of help me through it and then I started doing crap in FPL as well. That is when I think it can it can really take its toll because even the thing you're using as a escape um, is is bringing you down even more. Yeah, I suppose it can go two ways on that, can't it? If if you're having a a, a bad period in your life, it can be a lovely tonic if you're doing well. Exactly. When you're, uh, but as you say, it can go the other way. It's yeah. risky. It's risky, and you know, mm. links to gambling and, and things like that. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. I, I get them because it can it can there's highs and lows and that is why we enjoy the game so much but yeah the lows can can actually be be really low which i don't think a lot of people fully understand yeah yeah and one thing that fascinates me about the sort of whatever you'd call the the x community twitter community the you know the engaged managers is outside of that bubble people just have no idea about how people how serious or how much time people give to the game yeah um which is which is yeah i think a fascinating part of the the sort of the fpl ecosystem i think stats has been i think now stats are kind of more widely used within football you know xg mm. was is a kind of combination of stats that we use to make fpl decisions you know years ago and and scout was one of the first places to, to bring that in and, and the stats tables and looking at chances created and you know shots on target and all that kind of stuff you never really saw too much of that when you're watching a, a Man City versus Liverpool game. But now you're watching a game and teams are often judged on their XG um, in a certain match. And I think that kind of has helped FPL a little bit because people realise, oh, actually, there's this whole underlying thing to football that can actually help you um, be more skilled at the game that so many people play. Um, so I, I think I think that's helped uh, in some ways. But mm. yeah, I mean, I still talk to people who, who've got, who just think I'm mad for for doing it but i think most people know about fantasy football in some capacity now whereas 10 years ago they, they wouldn't have done yeah i was doing some filming on a on a shoot this is so weird so about three weeks ago no maybe maybe a month or so ago and um i was it was a it was a training course 
and these two guys were just chatting obviously i didn't know them they didn't know me and it was a monday it must have been a monday yeah it was a tuesday so it was after the monday night where forest were playing and it was a few weeks ago where turner needed to save everybody's game weeks and he didn't do it of course <laughs> um and but I, I i overheard these two guys saying oh yeah turner didn't didn't rescue us with a 10 points i thought wow this is this yeah. is amazing um and it was the moment that i thought wow this is really cut through and obviously you know 10 11 million people playing the game is is ridiculous anyway but it's really it is cutting through isn't it you see people you know on on trains you know checking their their teams you know you, you see people you know listening to, to podcasts you know you, you see like raptor and and making people say oh i just had someone come up to me at uh on the train to like say hi to me um, and they watch all my videos and things like that. So it's definitely becoming much, much more ingrained in, in the general kind of sense of things, particularly mm -hmm. amongst football fans. I'd, I'd like to know the exact sort of percentage in, in the country, in the country of who watches football regularly and who plays fantasy football. Cause I mean, I, I don't actually know, but I imagine it's a, it's a very high proportion of people now that, that would play it because they also watch football too. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Whether they play after four or five weeks is is a is well. A that's that's thing. it, and and the retention is um is something that I still think FPL needs to to work on because so many people drop out after missing a cu a couple of game weeks. Yeah, and I advocate it on ev on everything I I do. More chips. If they're going to keep these chips, they need to have first half and the second half of the season chips. That's going to keep people more engaged. I say it all the time. <laughs> Interesting. So um. A few. This was again probably three or four weeks ago. I was listening to Black Box, and I, um, you were having a bit of a, a shocker in terms of um, uh, rank and, and how the season was going. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to bring it up, but, but there was a really interesting thing you said. Thing you said. I thought, oh, right, I'm going to definitely ask you about this. Um, so apologies in advance, but no, you 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 mentioned that you're for the for the first time I think ever you were second guessing yourself. In terms of your decisions, and I thought that was really interesting, considering you know you've been in the game for so long, um, and you know you would have hit highs and lows, absolutely, one hundred percent. So um, yeah, what do what do you what did you mean by that when you when you were sort of second guessing yourself? I think one of the biggest problems that a lot of people seem to have, and I, and I'm guilty of it as well, is looking at what everyone else is doing in you know in the community because the community is so big now, and you look at the big accounts, you look at Andy, you look at Focal, you look at Rapson, and everyone, and they have big, big followings, and people follow their moves and their advice meticulously. And you get yourself into a bit of a bubble with things. Everyone's bought this player. Why haven't I bought that player? What do they know that I I don't? And really, they don't know anything. They're going off um, they're going off the stats and they're going off the fixtures and all the kind of normal things that you would pick as a as a as a as you know as a, as a player of the game yourself. I've always kind of. I've never looked at stuff like that at all. I've always had a pretty clear idea of what I want to do, who I want to bring in. I watch a lot of football. I listen to a lot of things. I don't need other people to kind of tell me what, you know, what, what to do. And that's where I say the entertainment for me is, is a much bigger thing mm. than, than kind of the knowledge because I feel like I get that myself. But I've found it hard over the last couple of seasons to ignore that noise, I think, a bit more. And I find myself more and more falling into traps. And this is the issue because, again, with the community – it almost feels like everyone loses together, everyone rises together, you know? And if you go against it and you do badly and then you have to go on Twitter and see everyone doing well, that's really hard to take mm. at times. So sometimes it's easier just to go with the popular option because you know, well, at least if it goes wrong, um, I'm going to you know, have other people around me who have done similar similar things. And that's not how I want to play the game because it, it feels like it's 
it's taking my own decision making away from me and that's the main reason i play it but it's very hard to completely separate the the two i think so have you have you since you know a few weeks ago um was that is that something that you've really tried or have you you know you you've had those internal conversations mm. with yourself about are you are you literally just going to try and block everything out and play how you used to play i'm i'm, I'm going to ask in a minute about how content creation and all the streams that you do has that helped or hindered you as a manager potentially mm. so it kind of feeds into that have you have you yeah taken a really quite clear decision to try and block stuff out basically i'd love to say yes okay. <laughs> to that question uh in all honesty probably probably not i mean the, the the bit of advice i always give people is um when the when the game weekends write down your, your first thoughts the first move what are your kind of intuitive thoughts of what you want to do for the for the weeks ahead see how that changes throughout the week and then try and work out whether that decision has been based on actual you know evidence to, to, to go against what you said or were you kind of right in the in the first place often the the thing you th the, the thing i think of doing at the start is i say right but you know it, it works out for the better than something i overthink um, a bit later on do i do that not enough and it's something that i, I should do more because i i you know it's uh it's kind of like a do what i say not what i do uh type thing um and, but it's something i, I do want to do more um it, it, and, and i think that would help kind of block out some of the some of that a little bit yeah absolutely i think that's a really good idea and that's something that andy actually andy um andy north said um at the very end of our chat um just to yeah write everything down and if nothing changes by the end of the game we, you, you kind of he doesn't do that he's exactly the same as me he he says that's a good idea <laughs> there's no way he does that and comes back well it's still me. very good advice whatever it happens is. isn't it it's yeah. Good advice, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah let, let's talk about um black box brilliant amazing podcast absolutely love it um and i think any i'm sure everybody you know watching or listening to this would have absolutely seen it heard of it um and i would urge everyone to check it out 100 um but not only that you do other streams as well um and what i have heard from these chats are sometimes you've, you've taken so much information mm. and the simple decisions are no longer simple because you have so many so many options do you do you think it's made you a better fpl manager or or has it gone the other way it's a good question. And I look at my ranks over the last few seasons and they're pretty all over the place. Like I finished kind of 4,000, um, you know, two years ago, I finished 180,000 or something. It's been kind of my worst two finishes in the, in the season that kind of sandwiched uh, that. So it's, it's hard, it's hard to really say. Um, I think I've, there, there was a point where I think I had the balance down quite well. And that was when I was probably first doing scout and i wanted to kind of show that i'd done a lot of research i was watching lots of games and yet i was still kind of prioritizing having a bit of fun with things as well so like i always wanted a brighton player in my team for example <laughs> um and you know that kind of enabled in some ways you might think that's a bit restrictive but i think when you're having fun with things i think and mark always talks about some black box you, you kind of get a momentum with decisions and it sounds ridiculous because you're basically picking you have no control once the once the thing ends but i find that when i'm enjoying the game and you know maybe i'm doing um quite well i do a lot better than when i'm struggling and and kind of uh you know right right down at the end and i think when i'm struggling and then i'm desperately looking for a player to kind of help me get out of the slump that's when the over research comes in right. um because you know i'm i'm so desperate to find a stat that will 
you know, on a player that's going to like push me up the ranks like so high. And, you know, you, you kind of, you're a bit biased because you say, oh, look, he's had 70 touches in the penalty area. You know, that that's perfect. Whereas I wouldn't be looking at that stat, you know, if I was kind of 10K in the world, I'd be going, oh, who's got the most points? Who's got good fixtures? Yeah. And, and keep, keeping it consistent. So it, it can work both ways. Obviously doing the research, watching games, and you have to do that for the streams to like kind of show that you're, you kind of know what you're talking about, which isn't always the case with what I say. But you know, you you want to feel at least prepared when you go onto onto something. Um, so I think that that does help in a way. But at the same time, I think you can go too far sometimes and and try and pick things that kind of feed into a narrative that you might already have about a player. One thing there that was interesting is, and Mark says about momentum, and and the one thing that I would sort of pick up there is. And it's so strange, again, you know, isolating FPL as this game. But it's like anything in life. If you're confident and you're in that flow of not mm -hmm. overthinking it, you just go on that instinct and that intuition, even if because you're enjoying it and you're confident, even if it goes wrong, you can ride that wave a lot better if it goes against you. Yeah. Whereas if you're potentially reaching and and you're half on tilt and you know you're just you just want it you, you probably want it too much actually um then if it goes wrong it's it just double down double it double downs on itself doesn't it absolutely and i think like a good example might be say say you wanted to buy in you want to buy isak right he's, he's scored a couple of goals in the last few games newcastle playing really well um and you know you, you look at his xg and you think okay he's the perfect player to bring in and then you start you know going on X on Twitter, you see everyone's saying, no one's got Will, no one's got Isak in their team. So you're like, well, why Why is that? And everyone's saying, oh, because Wilson's around and there's too much rotation with all this and all that kind of stuff. That's when you start second guessing mm. yourself on things. And sometimes it's good advice. Like, I, I think generally speaking, that is good advice. I'm probably not going to buy Isak for my own team because of those reasons. But it does feel that people are, are more afraid to go away because i mean to me fpl is about risk right a lot of the time you you have to weigh up the risks of, of certain decisions and certain things and it feels that fpl has now become a place where risks are almost seen as a negative thing to do um and you know if you if you're going if you're making a risk you'll go against like a kind of a a good strategy and you're you're a bad player of the game mm. and things like that and, and that's where i struggle with it for a bit because I think you mentioned at the start, we're going to talk about best FPL moments and things like that. Well, the best FPL moments are when you pick someone that no one's got and they do well. But I feel like at the moment, that's probably my biggest kind of criticism with the community in general is that there's less acceptance, I think, for, for picking risks. Well, it's yeah, it's funny you should say that because I saw a tweet the other day um, and, the, and I can't remember who it was, so... If you're listening to this, forgive me, because <laughs> otherwise I would credit you. Um, but it was saying that last season hits were completely celebrated, and this season, or maybe it's the other way around. But I, any, I, either way, the the attitude on hits, yeah, it was celebrated last season and completely, con seemingly condemned yeah. this season. And it's just so strange how like the group think works um, from and, and and the the season narratives from month to month work and obviously from season to season and you can obviously get swept away with that as well yeah i mean if you look at like fabio borge for example he's you know widely regarded as the greatest fpl manager there is um he doesn't make early transfers he, he leaves everything to the last minute and he very rarely takes hits and i think a lot of people have that as the blueprint for his success but there's also loads of managers in there who 
do make early transfers and do well or do take hits and do well. There isn't a kind of a perfect strategy. And one thing with Fabio is that he gets every decision right or seemingly gets every decision right, which means he has to take less hits because he's already got in the players <laughs> that are doing well. So obviously yeah, he's going to take less yeah. hits to, to do it. So there's always a kind of a, a caveat with with things. But I do feel like a lot of people think there is this kind of perfect way to, to play. Um, and when people come in with different ideas or different ways of doing it, they kind of get um, looked down on by by some, not by everyone. Um, but that that's that's what I, I mean. I've I've had I've had conversations about this in the past, and um, you know, uh, and don't always don't always kind of please everyone when I say it. But that that is how I that is how I feel about things at the moment. Mm, yeah. What what is your if you had to um, you know pick your favorite part of the FPL season? Um, and now, of course, every every season is completely different. Is it is it the preseason where you, you're tinkering on your drafts and picking oh, Kai Havertz and all that kind of stuff? Oh, is it is it is it the week before the wild card when everything's gone to shit? Oh, um, oh, is no. it picking triple <laughs> captain? You know what 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 gets you most excited in a, in a season? It very, I mean, I hate the I hate the early stages of the season. I really do, and I think it's because I always do so badly. Right. Okay. <laughs> like, okay. I really struggle to pick a a good game week one team and. I, like this season and the last season have both been absolute disasters and it's always been a case of trying to catch up. I feel much more much more relaxed kind of you know, the second half of the season where I kind of right. know what I'm aiming for. Like last season I was like 800k and I was like, right, the target is 100k. We're not going to win it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's gone. But hopefully I can still finish kind of respectively. Um, and so, you know, then you work to kind of that goal and you've got double game weeks and that's where I feel like the planning and things kind of really helps. Whereas the first kind of 10 weeks of a season, they're just so difficult to navigate because so much can happen. Players emerge that you hadn't considered. You have 4.5 million defenders doing well, but you're never really sure if they're going to continue doing it or not. Whereas in the second half of the season, you've got a lot more kind of data, a lot more knowledge of the teams and how they play and, and perform too. So I definitely prefer that the second half and you know, around about the double game week uh, time, that, that's that's when I'm probably at my my happiest because that's when you can kind of put plans into action and, and feel okay. like they're going to come up i don't always do but you feel like they're going to do <laughs> that's that's when your peak has so around, around that's around. when i that's when i peak yeah yeah <laughs> <You peak. Okay. laughs> um do, do you think there is um and, and this season is seemingly unless you know something you know dramatic happens it's probably the, the most normal season we've had for a while um in terms of maybe double game weeks and postponements mm. and things like that now Obviously, last you know, and and I the way I would look at you know double game weeks and planning is it gives the edge to the engaged managers. Now, if there's less of those, maybe the edge is is slightly less. And with so much information being out there, where do you think the edge is now? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a few things that that we have sort of being quite heavily involved in it compared to like. So I've I've got friends at university, for example, who who have started playing fantasy football, and they. They, you know, they, they might be on Twitter. They might see like the kind of the roundup stuff at the Premier League post. They know a little bit about XG. Um, they might, some of them might even watch like someone like Let's Talk and see his team and, and copy moves and stuff. I mean, that is so far from where it was, you know, a couple of years ago when when no one knew anything. So you have still got to kind of find your advantages where you can. Um, and I think that is that is a big thing with with price changes. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, if you say to yourself, and Mark and I were talking about some black box a few weeks ago, if you say to yourself, I'm never going to make early transfers because I'm not going to change team value. 
that actually limits quite a big thing that we have because a lot of people I play against don't make their moves until Saturday morning, not because it's a strategy that they've got. They just wake up on a Saturday morning and, oh, crap, I better do my fantasy football team, you mm-hmm. know? Whereas it's very different mm-hmm. to actually being able to consider the risk and reward of moving early versus versus not. Um, so there's, so there's, there's kind of things about that. Um, I mean, watching football as well, that, to me, that is still the biggest edge um, the, that we can have. I mean, again, I've got friends that watch football but aren't going to watch Burnley versus Luton because they don't care and they've got lives, which I get, <laughs> don't get me wrong. The advantage of not having a life is that I can watch Burnley versus Loon and see whether uh, Morris is, is going to carry on uh, the goal-scoring form. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you I, I do feel in, in most of the time you do get what you put in, into it. And if you look generally around, you know, the, the top managers and the people who put the most effort in and watch football and read stats, they're going to come up, they're going to come through with, with good finishes. Whereas if you don't do that, you could finish a million, two million, or where I am at the moment, 2.8 or whatever it is. Um, well, you beat, you beat to me. So there we go. <laughs> it's a difficult <laughs> season. Everyone's, everyone's struggling um, yeah. this year, uh, I think, but I'm, I'm, I'm still convinced that, that everyone will turn it around. The cream will rise, as they the say. The cream will rise, exactly. Well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, okay. So just before the final two questions, um, the what what has FPL taught you? It's quite a wide question, and go go with uh, go wherever you like with this. But what has FPL taught you um, about life? Wow, what has FPL taught me about life? Yeah, I mean, I think quite a big thing it taught me recently was when I, when I worked for Scout because I, I was at Scout for two years. I had a a, a, a real job <laughs> before that, uh, a regular job, uh, I should say, maybe not a real one. Um, but uh, you know, and I I, I wasn't that happy there and I had the opportunity to work for Scout and I thought you know doing what I love doing doing the hobby doing the videos and everything was would be amazing and it's a space that I was already quite involved in and you know I thought I'd, I'd go in and kind of um, push on from there but I really struggled with the hobby and the career side of things together and you know if we talk about the lows of FPL I think probably my second year when I wasn't doing that well um in, in FPL and I was struggling a bit with mental health stuff and I was having to do videos every day and, and do things for, for the site which I didn't always want um to do you know sponsorship and partnership stuff which is is, is a part of it because there's salaries to pay and that's where the money comes from um it got quite difficult and actually separating that out again um from from the career has, has been really beneficial to me I realize as I'm saying this very this very much sounds like don't follow your dreams which is not the point I'm trying to make <laughs> Yeah, you ever thought about going into life coaching as? You yeah, I know. Yeah, uh, amazing. No, I think it's. Um, I, I think the the point is, is that I think it's it's nice to have an escape from things sometimes. Um, and the good thing about having a pill on the side was that I'm able to distance myself from it more than if I did it as as kind of the job. So, um, yeah, I'm not I'm not entirely sure what my what, what my point is uh, with all this, but in term, I'm glad I did it and I'm glad I tried it. I think. I would say chase your dreams, obviously, because I'm. If I hadn't done it, I'd always be wondering, oh, what could have been if I'd gone for that job or, or done it. Um, but I think it is important that when a hobby, and particularly FPL, when a hobby gets too much on things, you take steps to address it. And mm-hmm. I think that that ties in with, with the mental health side because I've seen people stop playing FPL because they they don't enjoy it. They get too stressed. It's affecting their yeah. relationships. You know, they're, they're losing their weekends to it. And I completely get why why people would quit in that situation. Mm, yeah it's um it's a similar kind of, so i'm um 
my you know day job photographer and filmmaker and so that was always a hobby especially mm. the photography and it's exactly the same thing so on a on a saturday or sunday if i'm not working i don't want to pick up a camera yeah that was always something that i yeah. you know did do so exactly. it's always i think that very very few people turn their hobby into their job and then continue to love it because mm. you know you're doing something 50 60 hours a week it's, it's human nature isn't it so yeah i don't think you're alone on that um so the message is stay in the job you hate and then um, and then retire <laughs> really, really not the point i was trying to make um, no, no. but, but equally equally i can't really work out the point i was trying to make um <laughs> <laughs> well it was quite a deep question and i did blindside you with it so. i know I, I think i think like like i said i think the the important thing is is knowing knowing when something isn't working for you and, and no matter what the what the career is i think i got out of, of, of that job at the right time because i think mm -hmm. i think if i carried it on um for, for too much longer i would have completely fallen out of love with, with fpl and then that would be really sad because then I, I probably would have quit doing black box and and you know quit twitter and all the stuff that i've worked quite hard to achieve over the last few years and all the stuff i enjoy would, would suddenly not not be there so i think just with with jobs i think it's the opposite it's kind of recognized when you know you're not happy in, in something and, and don't be afraid even if it seems you know to be a, a kind of a, a bit of a blessing um you know because you've got a job and i know a lot of people don't and there's lots of like difficulties uh, around but you know sometimes you you might need to put your happiness first ahead of other things there we go absolutely turn yeah. it around there you go and <laughs> look at that <laughs> such a pro such a pro um right so final two questions um this is one of my favorite questions um that i ask because it's it's sort of everybody's face lights up um your favorite ever fpl moment that champagne moment as oh there's probably so many because you're such a good manager but you know. i've got three go on go go with it go okay. with it beating mark last year by one point oh that's <laughs> that's okay. number one that will number always one. be number one because he he clawed back i think just under 100 points on me in about 10 weeks something wow. like that yeah and yeah. went into the final week ahead of me for the first time um and yeah pedro porro uh and david de Gea of all people uh got me got me the win against him um by one point i have another story about one point as well which was when i i think i was a couple i was a couple of years into um FPL. i know they're they're banned now but at the time cash leagues were uh you know they were they were all the rage and i set up a i think it's a 20 pound entry cash league or something like that had about 50 people in it and uh i won that by one point um and i won that by one point because the guy who was second to me had jamie vardy and they took two bonus points off him at the end for no reason <laughs> Blimey. And if they'd left him with the free bonus, he would I say no reason. There must have been, you know, there's some like yeah. stats like jiggery round, but I thought I'd lost. And then the game refreshed and he went from free bonus to one. And uh, I won that, won the whole season by, by one point. Um, so that was, and that was my best season. That was when I finished 800th as well. So 800th, wow. Yeah, doubly, okay. doubly good. Um, well, you, then, you would have been incredibly unlucky to finish I know. 800. Just, everyone and, else was and, like, hundred thousand in the world in the league it was just yeah. me and him at the okay. top both both 800th in the world it was a it was a really weird year um and then the third one which everyone is, is going to be bored of me saying but the the bruno gimareras uh, uh two goals and an assist he got in a double game week a few years ago when i captained him i got so much stick for that yeah. honestly you wouldn't believe i had people messaging me about what a super decision it was i was on a podcast everyone was saying i'd lost it and i had 
but <laughs> the outcome uh the outcome was right and that's what it's all about right <laughs> absolutely and as a tune fan i'm I'm loving that third one so there we go. yeah that's great awesome thank you um and so to to round us off um just quickly before we do that thank you as it's been a, a brilliant really nice yeah, chat. Me. it's been it's been great talking about something a bit more high level than, than just which players to buy and which stats to look at <laughs> well that as soon as you start recording i'll just ask you those boring questions <laughs> yeah but, um yeah that's why i got you on really just like so leaving the blind i think this year ben if you didn't ask me <laughs> well, that maybe. <laughs> maybe but so the best piece of fpl advice you've ever been given i think the best bit of advice and again it's not necessarily something i do because i'm an idiot um but it's, it's deal with your weakest players first you don't always have to be chasing high scores from from players. Um, deal with deal with your issues, and it, and I look at you know when I started doing black box, the idea of black box was to learn from mistakes I made and stop doing them. Have I stopped doing them? Absolutely not. But if you ask me, my number one mistake I make is always chasing the the big points halls and not just dealing with fundamental problems, injuries. You know, players with with rubbish fixtures, players completely out of form. Uh, and and chasing kind of the the upside too much. So late riser is famous for saying, you know, it's all about the upside. But I, I like that strategy. Don't get me wrong; it's fun when it works. Um, but really, I think deal with deal with your issues. That's my number one, my number one bit of advice. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, uh, chasing the upside is great when when it works. But I suppose you don't want to. It's like anything in life; you can take that literally too far, um, and then even if you keep on doing it and keep on losing, even when you do get that huge haul, it's, it's not going to make any difference, is too it? Late. Yeah, yeah, too it. late. By that <laughs> uh, as Phillips, thank you so much for joining me. I had a, a brilliant chat. Oh, thank you so much. Really enjoyed it. 